0: different every time hello <laughs> welcome. <laughs> welcome to the Chug and chat we are your hosts mo i almost wanted to say oh, to no. i wa- i almost like waited for you to say it first which never happens Mo.
1: i know i was like am i supposed to say your name <laughs> <Hand it is." laughs>
0: oh my god you that guys funny. that just got weird but hi we're here <laughs>
1: um uh, we promise the rest of this episode will be better than that <laughs> yeah so tell us about like who we have on the pod today We have some amazing ladies on the pod today, some of my closest friends out here now in the Bay Area, Diana and Melissa, and they have just been really um, inspiring the heck out of me over the past year. So Diana is a um, is a photojournalist and Melissa is a journalist, and they have collaborated on this project surrounding immigration policy, and in particular, um, undocumented lives, and in even more particular, the undocumented lives of youth here in the Bay Area. Wow. Um, which yeah, I mean, wow doesn't even cover the work that they've been doing. Um, But one thing that I will mention, although we you know, we'll talk about that a lot here in this interview, um, is that I love the frame that they chose um, specifically for for getting more media attention to the things that those who are undocumented um experience and have to face uh here in this country um because their framing is so fabulous because it's been pretty typical in the media that um immigrants and um those who are specifically are undocumented only get media attention when they are of the extreme so yeah. that means either you know, you hear this amazingly romanticized story of the, you know, immigrant who is the first generation um, of their family to go to university and they graduate as the valedictorian, right? So it's like, wow, look what can happen when an immigrant can come here and they can be such high achievers, but then it puts all of this pressure on... But they can also come here and, like, get
0: C's and get a degree like fucking the rest of us. You know what I mean? Like...
1: Exactly, right? And so for a long time, um, and even still, you know, the immigrant community has really been held to this ridiculous standard that, you know, causes all types of problems, like, between cultures themselves of, you know, be having to be so high achieving to live in the country. It puts all kinds of pressure on, you know, the young, undocumented lives and their families to be high achieving. And also it just yeah, it doesn't tell the realistic story of what's really happening. And then of course the other extreme that's often in the media, um, are people who end up as criminals or murderers or, you know, where you see the other side of the story where, like, yeah, okay, they're human, so there's also some bad people, too, who do come here with not best intentions and do some really crappy stuff, right? But what doesn't get portrayed in the media are, are those are the everyday people. Like those of us who, like you said, might get season D's or just trying to survive or, you know, have a dream that changes every day and might change as we get older, you know, but it's like none of those people get any attention and their struggles and their lives are just as important and just as relevant um, to be in the media and for people to support them as anybody else. So I, in particular, I'm just so, proud to know these women because they have spent the last year and a half or maybe a little over a year building relationships with undocumented youth in the East Bay of the Bay Area um, primarily in Oakland. And um, yeah, they've just worked really hard to to build relationships and make sure that these um, students primarily that their lives, and stories are told. Um, you know, that their music, that their writing is shared, that their experiences with their families are shared, that the things that they worry about, especially in the Trump era, are shared. And so, you know, they've had articles published in Vice. Um, they just recently had an amazing sh- uh, art gallery show where they showcased some of the photography and the written words of the of the youth themselves um, in a gallery, which just, I mean we're going to share some of that stuff with you guys on our website. And it was just mind blowing to be in that gallery space and reading these photos and how perfectly placed they were, um, reading, reading these segments and how perfectly placed they were with the photos. I mean, I was just, I was fortunate enough to be in the gallery by myself for a few minutes, taking it all in. And I just, I mean, I just got goosebumps just thinking about it. So I can't be more excited um, that Diana Clock and Melissa Pandika are willing to be on this show and that we got to have both of them on together to talk about, you know, everything going on with immigration policy and what they've learned over the over the last year working with so many youth um, who are undocumented Um, and, you know, kind of what plans they have to continue the movement for the future.
0: That's so amazing. I'm so excited to hear this interview. And Um, If you have not yet listened to our True Confessions this week, we kind of wrapped up Pride Months. Um, with a po- with a particular article that we read about um, appropriation in queer spaces uh, which was really interesting we actually had a really good time talking about that episode and just so like good. yeah and just like wrapping our brains around how we have done the same thing without even knowing it and and in what way we can we can kind of adjust that behavior and we can kind of change the dialogue around those sorts of things and and uh, again, I mean, we say this every single time. If you ever listen to something and you're like, "I have a thought about that," or "I know something about that," or "I know someone who knows something about that," we'd love to hear from you. And yes. and with that, I'm really excited to hear from Diana and Melissa. Yes, let's bring them out. Woo!
1: Beer is helping. What are we drinking today? Oh, it's a lovely IPA. A lo- lovely IPA, Four India points. Pale Ale, for those of you who, who aren't familiar. Uh, how do you say percent. this? Villager? But, but, villager? I say like village-ay. villager. Villager? Villaha? Villa- Villa- Villahay? Villa- Villa- Villahay? Villa- okay. Villa- okay. All right, anyway, so we are drinking beers, which is not always the norm on Chug and Chat. We encourage um, drinking of many beverages, but today we're here because... These are two very close friends of mine that I was fortunate enough to meet when I moved to the Bay Area, and I just feel the women that I have been lucky to meet in the Bay Area, as you can imagine, are very diverse, but I feel like the commonality of the people that have come in my life are women who care very much about others. and progressing things forward in terms of policy, um, that's really important to a progressive agenda in the United States because let's face it, we just don't have anyone that's really promoting that. Bernie came close. Um, But I actually learned a fun thing about Bernie today that I can't wait to share with you guys. But anyway, so we're here today to talk about immigration and immigration policy because these lovely ladies have been working their butts off, um, really helping this community out. Um, So I'm just gonna pause from my blabbiness from this wonderful beer and let these ladies introduce themselves. Who are y'all? Who wants to go first? Okay, go first. Um, I'm Melissa. Um,
2: I live in Berkeley, and I'm an independent journalist. Um,
3: I cover health and, more recently, immigration. (laughs) Yeah! Okay, I'm Diana. I'm also in Berkeley, and I'm a photo and video journalist. And have you guys always been in Berkeley? Not always. Um, I grew up here in the Bay Area, and um, lived back east for a little while, and then um, and then, uh... Guac is we, giving
1: you some love right I now. I see that, Guac. <laughs> um, oh, Guac is my oh. cat. He's, like, really needing some love right now because he hasn't been able to go outside. So you guys might hear him, like, meowing. It's not because he's neglected. Like, it will sound like sad baby cries, but he's just, uh, you know, having some allergy issues right now. <laughs> he's the good luck kitty. He's yeah. the good luck kitty. Aww. So you've been out in Berkeley for a little while, and you went to yeah. school in Berkeley, is that right? I did. I did undergrad here at Cal. Did but that feel like a progressive experience-ish? Oh, yeah. I am
2: extremely
1: appreciative of
2: having gone to Cal. Um, I mean, I grew up in the burbs. <laughs> in the boys. Yeah, in the burbs, and like, pretty much in a predominantly white community. And I guess as a person of color, you know, it was just nice to... I guess, like, go to a school that, you know, celebrated that, and I guess, um, and Kyle's kind of interesting in that it's, like, sort of integrated into the rest of the city, and yeah, and it's, like, steeped in social justice, so, I mean... (laughs) I mean my social justice vocabulary, my ability to articulate some of these things that I'd grown up feeling but, you know, not having like the words to articulate it. It was just I mean so helpful to go to a place
1: that introduced me to that. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I'm sure you're not alone in feeling that as <laughs> people who got the opportunity to go to such a great school. Yeah. That's really awesome. And you work really close to the <laughs> to the uh, to Cal, to Cal, yes, we—that's really where we met. So I'll just share sure. that little story. We met at a co-working space in Berkeley, mm-hmm. just a couple short blocks from uh, UC Berkeley's campus. So while. I was not fortunate enough to go to that um, amazing university. I have walked and biked and swam through that campus. Oh my God! We have swam. Another fun fact: (laughs) we all did a a sprint triathlon together. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah, I came in last. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure I did. (laughs) Um, That's just because you started in a different age group. (laughs) (laughs) Your time. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. (laughs) Okay, but I digress, so we're really here today, I know, I'm just being silly. Bring it back. Bring it back, y'all. Um, but as you guys know, you know, we're really, um, the reason that we're even doing this podcast is not because I like to hear myself talk, in fact, I really don't, I hate editing these videos, and or these audios, and having to listen to myself, but really just like to give a voice to women, in particular, um, and also, when possible, um, non cisgendered white women Um, and and really also just you know talk about the things that are extremely important to moving our country forward right now like in a safe place because I feel that especially after Trump was elected like I mean I personally was in shock and really felt strongly about my desire to talk to other women about these issues like even with a very progressive liberal amazing feminist boyfriend who I'm lucky (laughs) enough to be with I even like found myself like really just like no like I really want to go talk to the women in my life about these things like that that's not you know talking to a white male was not enough (laughs) for me so yeah. I don't know if you guys <laughs> felt like that at all. I
3: felt the same way, yeah. I I remember <clears throat> after the election just talking to my sisters and, and female friends as well just constantly and trying yeah. to
1: sort through <laughs> our feelings and emotions. Yeah, like what the fuck? Yeah, definitely. And you you I know you've said you've talked to your sister. Oh a, lot, a ton. Also. Um
2: yeah. yeah. I mean we definitely there have been many heated Google Hangout sessions with them. Google Hangout. Google Hangouts. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I mean, I have a white boyfriend too, so uh, that can be, I don't know. Yeah, there are just certain conversations that, I mean, you can have, but it's like definitely, you know, having that safe space. Um, Definitely found myself reaching out to other women as well, you know.
1: Yeah, and I like also felt like I heard from, you know, like, Some women in my life kind of came out of the woodwork like not only did the current relationships in my life strengthen in a lot of ways but i mean honestly that's how morgan and i really reconnected is talking about everything that was happening um post-election you know and I, i do have to say like i don't know if this is like a disclaimer or what but like i've always believed very strongly in public discourse and engaging in our democracy so that's not to say that like the Trump election happened and suddenly like here I am like oh my god the world is ending like what do I do now like I've I've been pretty involved for a long time but I will admit that like I think I still was blinded to how much was still happening during the Obama presidency just because I loved the man so much you Mm -hmm. know like I think that I was like blind to some Things, specifically immigration that he could have done a lot better on you know I was I was listening to a podcast um forgive me for not remembering which one but I was listening to one recently that was specifically talking about how like you know the community like had to fight hard during the Obama administration like to get the word the term illegal like removed from any um, actual policy involving immigration policy and that in 2008 it was like all over the place and that to, in 2016 for the first time it wasn't the term illegal was not used in any policy at all so like while there were gains made they were talking specifically about the fact that like. You know, it wasn't because Obama was some big change champion for immigration policy, necessarily. It was actually, you know, us, like, on the ground. Not us as in myself, but people on the ground, like, fighting at the grassroots level to really say, hey, like, our voices really matter. And then also, like, the Obama presidency knowing that his largest constituency was the Latino community, aside from the African-American community. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess like <clears throat> yeah. that all that's all to say that I feel like this issue has always been extremely important and I've paid attention to it, but um, it's what not better time than this time of like such hatred and fear um, to further shed light on what we can be doing. And, and I wanted both of you here today because you've just been doing so much work over the last year and really um, just met so many people in the community. Um, I'm sure you've learned a lot, and I um, probably don't know a lot, (laughs) you know. So I'm hoping that, you know, you guys can share some of the things that you've learned along the way as you've been kind of thinking about immigration policy and all that good stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's definitely come into the mainstream more as an issue um, since before we started the project, Um, although we started it... I think Trump had announced his candidacy, mm-hmm. but we didn't know. Obviously, nobody knew that he was yeah. going to become the nominee. And, yeah, um, what the
4: fuck? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, there was a, a collective bad,
3: yeah. what the f- <laughs>
1: There was, there
3: was. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely became something that people were talking about more, which I think is good. Yeah. Know, talking about what can we do for undocumented immigrants um,
1: and push back against his radical policies. And what kind of stuff, like, do you guys remember, like, what kind of stuff he said, um, like, during uh, his campaign? Like, what stuff that he said about immigration? Like, the one thing that sticks out in my mind that I remember him saying, which was, I mean, was clearly just awful in general and not even necessarily just directed at immigrants, but he was like um, you know, Americans, like, speak English, like, they should only speak English, like, Spanish isn't, like, an American, you know, I'm I'm even making him sound more articulate than he (laughs) is, like, that's not even how he said it, you know what I mean? But that's one of the things that I remember from the campaign trail that, like, horrified me, but do you guys remember, like, anything else?
2: I mean, it's, like, kind of stoking all this fear, like, you know, just you know, just feeding that whole stereotype of, like, the criminal immigrants, like, labeling them, you know, to protect the country from these drug dealers and rapists, etc., these gangsters, and so, I mean... Let's build the wall. Let's build the wall, right, exactly. I mean, it's, yeah, totally in line with just this, like, campaign of fear. Yeah, (laughs)
1: that's true. Oh, and I do also... That reminded me that the other thing that I remembered is that he was really an advocate for a merit-based system um to gaining citizenship which um reminded me a lot of your project in the sense that it highlights only the very high performing um people that are are trying to make a living and live with with themselves and their families in this country because i i I mean how fair is that (laughs) like you're only going to take like the valedictorians and like that's who you get and that's it you know right. where does that leave other people who are incredibly hard working and well-meaning um et cetera et cetera et cetera right yeah so that's that's one of the other things I remembered him advocating and I, so it, like so this is one thing that I was um reading about the other day that I had to write down that I wanted to bring up that reminded me of this because I was reading about like uh, um like kind of the psychology around othering so mm-hmm. like you know instead of thinking that we're more similar than different, we find, like, naturally our brains, like, categorize things, right? Like, that's what our brains are wired to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when it gets to, you know, basically racially profiling, like, obviously it gets fucked up, but, like, our brains are wired to do that. So it's, like, natural for us to assume people are different from us or find the thing that's different. Right. Um, but it was talking about how the psychology around that is, like, the more that like politicians for example are othering people like saying like this is a separate community that we have to advocate for for example um that's actually going to make people less inclined to you know, join in in a welfare system that provides resources to immigrants, for example, or um, help immigrants in any other way, because they're assuming that they're different from you. And the way we're wired is if Mm. you assume that we're different from you, then I don't want to be near you. I don't want to provide resources to you. Mm. Stay away from me. But if we have the messaging of we're all the same, let's look at the similarities, let's look at how we're the same. So the interesting thing is they were talking about how like companies and po- government policy should center around things like teaching immigrants how to speak English, because that will actually, I know, right, bear with me, yes. I thought this was crazy, right? <laughs> just just my, Melissa, my, just, for those you just who, just who can't see, Melissa just gave me a what the fuck face. <laughs> I know, that was my reaction too, because I'm like, we shouldn't be encouraging them to like leave their native languages behind. And that's not what they were saying, but they did say, that we should be investing in teaching immigrants how to speak English because that will create the perception in communities that they are more like us than not because they have the ability. So this was all like a, a sociologists like study. So I'm not saying this is my opinion, but I thought it was really interesting that like that was an interesting example of like how in a community like local way, you could essentially just create the perception from Native Americans um, or American Natives um, that, you know, immigrants are, are much more like us than different, and that that would make us actually more likely to vote for more progressive policy supporting um, welfare for immigrants. So I, again, I don't know if that, like if that's true or what, but I just thought that was really interesting because they were also talking about how Obama his messaging around immigration policy was not necessarily around how we're the same.
2: Yeah, I guess, like, my one issue... I don't know, this might be me digressing, but, like, I guess my one issue with that is that it just kind of sucks again. It, like, kind of falls on, like, you know... The immigrant. The marginalized group to have yes. to, like, bear the brunt of that, you yeah. know? Like, again, kind of having to prove themselves to, like, this other group. And it's just kind of... Totally. I mean, you know... I totally agree with you. I mean, it kind of sucks. I mean, it, like, shouldn't have to be that way. Yeah, so I felt
1: the same way. Like I had the same reaction. <laughs> Having was a pander like, to this other group. Wait, seriously? You know? That's a, and that's what they were saying. Like know. the the, the, um, ep- the name of the episode was something like, you know, like how Democrats are going to really lose it over immigration policy. It was like talking about that specifically because Democrats or progressives are the more likely people to hate that idea yeah. <laughs> for that reason because yeah. it's cruel to expect that when people are already like completely uprooting themselves and their families have complete cultural differences sometimes and so many other struggles um yeah I just thought that was so
2: Mm.
1: interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) so interesting and just like made me think a lot about you know like what kind of policies should we be implementing um to improve from the Obama administration versus Right, what we're all expecting, of course, with Trump. But like, let's yeah. at least think in an ideal world. Like, <laughs> you
3: know what I mean, we I think Obama. Um, Obama was well. He did implement at least one policy, DACA, which yes. I think has been, you know, very successful. Mm-hmm. And fingers crossed, won't be repealed. So yeah. far, it hasn't been, but um, we'll see. Because it was, you know, a campaign promise under Trump to repeal it for stay yeah. in office. So.
2: Yeah, he said, you know you know, I guess quote-unquote dreamers would, could
3: rest easy, but, like, who knows, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, for he's now. Just, he's just remember now. First <laughs> yeah. he got to health and Yeah, and in reality, he's already deported several, and mm-hmm. he's detained 90, I think. Really? Who are, yeah, who are yeah. supposed to be able to live here and work here legally, so... That's so bad. Um, Yeah, so we'll see what yeah. he does. <laughs> Ugh. But Ugh. that w- that was one Obama policy which I think has been effective, and, you know, we could grow from there. We really do need some kind of comprehensive immigration reform, though. I yeah. Think, you know, a path to citizenship. Mm-hmm. And most Americans want that. I think it's like... I think so too. 62% or something like that want... And support immigration reform so
1: well another interesting thing i was hearing on a podcast the other day um someone mentioned that like before bernie got really big like you know a few years ago he i mean people knew who he was but before he was like you know in the front line of the presidential campaign for a while there um they were talking about how he was actually one of the people as a politician who was supporting like the idea that um mass immigration was a bad idea for america because immigrants were taking people's jobs and so they were talking again about like you know the, basically the fact that that's been disproven. proven however several economists recently have come out with studies that have suggested that technically it's true in terms of how it builds up the economy but the people it hits the hardest are native poor people so the the system still needs a huge massive reform because how fucked up is that it's basically like pitting the most disadvantaged people against each mm-hmm. other to further make things worse worse for both communities and to continue to like push the message that um you know immigrants are the problem which is right. fucked up <laughs> which is super fucked up but i thought it was yeah, interesting, cause interesting they were talking about how bernie had been kind of a, an advocate for that idea before like I didn't know that hmm. um, but that really like through the presidential campaign he really evolved on that issue because yeah his constituents were like dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. don't do that you can't be hmm. the progressive candidate well and also yeah. just like you know <coughs> cited several things that you know proved that that wasn't true so at least he's yeah. like smart enough to you know yeah Yeah. I guess so yeah isn't that interesting does that what does that make you like I know you guys were like yeah does that how, (laughs) how do you feel about that as like some Bernie supporters is that weird or do you feel like politicians should evolve like if they're listening to their constituents
3: yeah I mean I think they should evolve definitely you know Um. like Listen to their base and, and what people. I don't know. I don't know. That is surprising to me. I didn't know that though.
1: Yeah. I, know. No. I, mean, I mean, that guy could have totally just been making shit up. I don't know.
3: Yeah. I mean, I thought he was so
2: involved in this. So, I mean, just imagining like poor people of color versus like poor white folks. I'm just like I'm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, huh? I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> he seemed to, he was like kind of on the front lines of the whole civil rights movement. So I was just, it's interesting that like that didn't inform his yeah. opinion.
1: <laughs> I wonder if it's like you know I mean he was very America focused like the labor rights and stuff like that and like people people's criticisms of him at least were like that he knew nothing about foreign policy. So yeah, I don't know if that like had any tie at all mm-hmm. or like. You know, if he's just like kind of an old guy, and because you know, because I think a lot of the Democratic Party has evolved on that issue as well, like as yeah, we all I mean. have. I mean, I my never changed, but I just mean in general as like a society. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wonder about that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. But but let's like let's talk a little bit. You know now about um, you know what you guys have been working on because. I think that focusing the conversation around youth is probably the most important conversation we'll be having, and I, I can't imagine, like, that you guys didn't learn some amazing things. Like, uh, so I, going to your event, even, and seeing some of the youth you've been working with, like, show their art and their talent and their willin- willingness to be vulnerable and I mean it just like blew me away so uh, if you guys would could you share a little bit about like everything you've been doing over the past year and you know kind of how like what even brought you together to do this like <laughs> you know I just kind of showed up at, at our co-working space like you know and y'all were sort of <laughs> already doing this so <laughs>
3: yeah um, yeah we started it a little over a year ago um, and I don't know, I think we were just looking for, we were interested in working on a project together and it was something we both felt was meaningful to look into and explore a little bit. And um, it took some months to start connecting with undocumented students, you know, for obvious reasons. They're, you know, careful who they talk to and um, especially speaking to people in the media. And, but I think once, once we kind of, got the ball rolling and started meeting with a few students it grew from there we started having students and and youth reach out to us on Instagram which is really amazing that's cool
1: yeah wait so like did you guys like create an Instagram account like the undocumented lives Instagram account and like just because that's like what the kids are using, kind of like for lack of a better way to say yeah. it, though, is that, like that's how you reach them because like you already had this kind of started, or the kids, or what, days. or did they reach out <laughs> yeah. to your Instagrams? We, I think, we
3: wanted to start it because it's it's. A platform that everyone is using, really, yeah. and and media companies as well, and that's how a lot of people get their news. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And yeah. um, I think we found that the undocumented and immigrant community uses it a lot too. I was just yeah reading this, um, this study
2: that uh, Instagram is like more popular among non-white users. Really? So And there's just, like, I mean, we have, like, there's the undocumented communities active on there, but there's a bunch of other, like, I mean, sort of tangential, but, like, a lot of other communities of color that are creating these communities for them to, like, empower themselves. Like, a lot of these communities about, you know, colorism and tackling issues, like, within their communities. So a lot of creators of color creating, um content for their communities so but anyway yeah no that's
1: really interesting (laughs) I didn't didn't realize that at all maybe Mm -hmm. that it's because I'm white (laughs) that's probably why yeah um (laughs) but that's amazing like to know where you can reach you know who you're trying to reach that's pretty incredible and to know that Instagram is has been a safe place where that can happen I mean that actually makes me really happy to hear you know Mm -hmm. I think of things like Facebook is such a like suck of your soul at this point you know it's all like sales and marketing and anyway yeah tangential but that's really that's really interesting so you you connected with them through Facebook or through fuck, <laughs> fuck. are you serious right now what is wrong with me okay they're the same company yeah right? no, no. I know actually I really hate how you can get your notifications yeah. for Instagram through Facebook now I'm like fuck you Facebook you're always like ruining my traffic on the way home from <laughs> Redwood City and just ruining my life in general. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> so they were able to reach out to you through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you got to start soon. building those relationships, mm-hmm.
3: and it start. And I feel like the projects had a pretty good reach through Instagram too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people were really starting to pay attention to it, and. Yeah. And then we grew from there. We've had some articles. Melissa's written some articles with my accompanying photos and videos. Um,
1: (laughs) what's like, what's like the first thing that you published for this project? Like, or do you include, I guess you'd include Instagram and part of that, but.
2: Um, yeah, so we started out with the Instagram and shadowing, um, the youth kind of as they went about their day-to-day. Yeah. And um, the reporting from that fed a story that we uh, published in Vice, and it um, addresses, you know, what you had brought up earlier about the problem of um, kind of valorizing the, you know, the immigrant valedictorian. A bunch of stories that come out around that time um, about these um, two... Um, undocumented youth who came out as undocumented at their, during their valedictory speeches. And so um, yeah, it just sort of like talks about so the piece talks about the problems surrounding that um, narrative, um, how it pl- places a lot of pressure on these youth and sort of obscures the hardships they face. Um, I mean, you know, like having that high bar of you need to have you know, 4.0 GPA, you you know, participate in all these extracurriculars, attend an Ivy League school, but you also, but a lot of these kids are, you know, helping with childcare, they have, um, they're working a couple of jobs, potentially, um, you know, uh, it's, they're living in poverty, um, so... I mean to have that expectation for these kids that they have to be perfect in order to sort of prove their worth, like they that they deserve to stay here. But then, like whereas you know, just a regular American slash like documented kid, you know they can just be, you know, regular kid, just like kid, yeah, mediocre, you know. And then you know, it's just I mean just sort of pointing out the issues with that. I mean, as great as that is to have these kids succeeding. Um, it, again, sort of, like, it obscures the hardships that many of undocumented youth face, so...
1: And it's hard, like, not to consider it, like, sort of a form of exploitation, you totally. know? It's like yeah. I remember even just working at um, the safe home I worked at, working with um, youth experiencing homelessness, which certainly included many undocumented youth, unfortunately. You know, it's just, like there are a lot of these organizations, I feel like mine was pretty conscious of it, but that like really walked a fine line with like, let's parade these kids, these high achieving kids in front of you at like a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you have to be really careful about that. And I feel like you guys are such a great example of like, you know, really building relationships with people having these experiences and getting, the media attention to the issues that it deserves without exploiting them, and I feel like a lot of organizations and media unfortunately have a hard time doing that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think that that narrative was sort of used to advance the Dream Act, um, like look at you know if you know if you if this were to pass, like this could be the potential of that. But then yeah. you know
1: sounds like what it, yeah if you don't like live up to that. Yeah, and it's like
2: you're only worth you you deserve to be here only if. You, Based on like what you can contribute, but like not as right, because like you you're owe a person. For the rest you're, of your yeah, life. yeah, like you know, not like for uh, your humanity. You know, yeah. so it's like.
3: <laughs> I think we also we had the benefit of getting to know these kids, and mm-hmm. of course, it took time to like build trust and and like you know develop relationships with them, but that enabled us to kind of get the full picture of their lives Mm -hmm. and then present that to people so that's a good
1: point yeah it's like
2: yeah totally it's a lot harder to dismiss you know these youth as just like quote-unquote illegals or go back home if you know like who they are you know
1: yeah (laughs) which is like so true for any person or group Mm -hmm. that you're othering right I mean it's like why don't you just get to know some of these people as people, and then maybe your own narrative will change about the issue? So, you guys were able to um, also work on a mural project, right? What was yeah. that? Can you tell me a little bit? Sure. About that? Um,
3: we were really just kind of there documenting it, but um, it was a, a project in Fruitvale, a neighborhood in Oakland, which is. Um, a, primarily immigrants, I would say. Um, Yeah. And it was a summer-long project that some of the youth were working on, and um, the theme was anti-gentrification. So it was talking about kind of, you know, some of the forces coming into their neighborhood and and starting to push out families, including the families of some of these youth. Um, And it's, yeah, it ended up being really powerful.
1: it's, amazing and it's up and can can be seen now where
4: yes, is indeed. it again
1: um where is it exactly <laughs> we'll get an address <laughs> it's, <laughs> an address. it's, yeah. it's yeah,
2: close yeah. to the Bart. It's pretty close to the Bart. So yeah pretty, pretty close,
1: close to, the to yeah. Bart. for those of you who are familiar um yeah at some point we'll post a picture or coordinates or something because it's definitely um worth seeing and also just like what an inspiring community project uh, yeah. especially for youth to participate in I mean I'm a really big advocate for the arts um, yeah. for really for anyone but um, particularly um, just when anyone is having a hard time or wants to have a sense of belonging or wants to push forward what they care about or their values or policy I mean it's just such an avenue and I also just thought as such a healing thing for a lot of the youth that I was fortunate enough to, um, meet myself, you know, it's just like a really amazing thing. I think the most amazing thing was we used to do this thing called art street that was actually healthcare for the homeless. They had this big art studio and every cool. single week they just got to go in and like go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anyway, I digress, but I think art <laughs> is so incredible.
2: Well, important. I mean, not really. Cause actually, I mean, you probably saw in the gallery show, there was like a panel, I guess you would call it a panel, where we we focused on the role of art in, um, DC's lives, and it's just, I mean, besides, you, of course it's, you know, healing for them, but for a lot of them it's sort of what, kind of the only things they, the only thing they feel they have control over, um, and it's in their lives, and it's sort of been a really important and very accessible tool of resistance, so, um. Yeah, it seems like it
3: definitely ties into um, activism for a lot of the students involved in the project. Oh, yeah, baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I forgot. I was going to be like, can I play some of this? But not cool because no permission. But, yeah, just art is being amazing.
3: (laughs) But, yeah, it seems like it's a tool for, for resistance for a lot of these youth. So, yeah, it's amazing to see that. And not just, you know, the mural project and then spoken word. And
1: uh... (laughs) I hope you all heard that nice and
3: loud. I don't even normally drink beer. I'm like, woo! (laughs) So yes to art. (laughs) Yes to activism, too.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and I also found, like, even myself um, as a former kind of musician, but just as someone who really likes to play with music and visuals etc like I do find myself wanting to create in like the times of most crisis as well and I, I honestly think that that's even why this podcast came about mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know just like people want to put stuff out there um when they're feeling stuff um mm-hmm. and I think that it's incredibly important that what you guys are doing because again it's getting voices Heard in that realm that aren't normally and like let's be honest like who wants to hear like any more white people talk or sing or dance shittily or like anything like that <laughs> you know what I'm saying like I Diana you can feel me like in the sense that it's like all kind of embarrassing to be white right now but like yeah you know what I mean like just in the sense that like you know like yeah, it's not our time I think in some ways right like
3: Um, Right, we want to put the spotlight on other people too. We we want want to hear all the
1: voices and yeah. And to your point, like, you know, not just like high achieving voices, right? just everyday normal people like the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So you guys did do an amazing art gallery opening and show that brought the community um, of Berkeley and Oakland and East Bay together.
3: That's all we had time for, folks.
4: at ChugnChat.com, that's C-H-U-G-N-C-H-A-T.com.